Frank, how you feeling, buddy? I'm still sick, James. I got the plague. I'm I'm withering away. I'm 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 wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm back from Ignite. I somehow was able to surround myself with 25,000 people and not get sick at all in Orlando, which you only go out to big chain restaurants where you surround yourself with even more people. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, uh, one of my trips, I didn't make it to Ignite. So I hope you're going to tell me all about it. But I went on a couple trips and, you know, just as I was starting to feel better, everything's getting good. I get on an airplane and kind of like restart the whole thing over again. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just holding out on not having to see the doctor. (laughs) That's always my fear, especially for extremely long flights. I mean, any flight, honestly, but when you're flying international for long, long periods of time, you never know who you're going to sit by. I've gotten on some planes where people are just hacking and going to town. I'm like, oh, I am going to get sick. But somehow I've been resilient. So I'm sorry that you're not feeling as good. We'll, we'll keep it nice and short Ooh. to about um, 75 minutes. I'll, so. I'll hold you to that. I, I don't every time we say it, we have a 50 minute long episode. But you know, that's cool. That's cool. We can do it. <laughs> I do. Well, I have a topic. So I, I told you to pick the topic, but I actually have a topic. I, I prefer that because um, I didn't pick a topic, James. So this is great coincidence. Well, I do want to say that at Microsoft Ignite 2019, um, we all, me and you were invited to record podcasts there. And unfortunately, you weren't able to go next year. Really want to make it happen. I was able to just record one anyways with our good friend Mads Torgerson. You know Mads. Ah, a little private interview. Is that what's going on here? Did you dig deep? Did you make him explain himself and every decision on that uh, C sharp list. By the way, we got nice feedback from our uh, C sharp eight episode. Thanks for the feedback, everyone. Yeah, that was really delightful. I mean, one, yes, that feedback as I was reading it on Twitter, not only the merge conflict Twitter, but also um, people in person were telling me at Ignite that they really enjoyed it, uh, which was delightful. Yeah. Now, um, I, I I didn't want to just drill Mads on C sharp. This is a an excellent. It's, it may be my I. Now, no shade on you, Frank, but it Ouch. may be my favorite, <laughs> my favorite episode of Merge Conflict ever. Oh my god! Well, jeepers! I'm totally not taking that personally at all. That's not going to cloud now, everything I say for the next fifty minutes. But Frank, but I also want to say it's also my least favorite because you weren't there with me. So I'm mixed emotions here because it wow. could have been so much better if you were there with me. And and like I don't know. So we got to do it again with. More people next year, maybe at Build, maybe at Ignite. It's very good. It's different. I don't. You're you're going to even listen to it because I think you're going to really like it. And I think that I brought some Frank to the conversation. I think Ooh. I did, did right I, by you. I, did I prep you enough? See, I think I might have actually just been a little starstruck if I had done that. So it's good that you get the first one out of the way. I'll give it a listen and I'll take notes on everything I wish you had asked. So we'll see how well you channeled me. That'll be fun. We can do a uh, Frank reacts. <laughs> uh, good, good. Audio yeah. to it. Yeah. And that one will come out in a, in a few weeks, uh, probably around Thanksgiving. So I want to do some editing. There's like background noise and stuff. So it's going to take me some time to clean up. But it had me thinking because last week we talked about C Sharp 8. I talked to Mads about C Sharp 8. I was at the .NET uh, booth talking all about C Sharp 8. And after the podcast, at the end of the podcast last week, you challenged me to go try nullable reference types. You did this? This is great. I'm so excited. 
is is this what we're yes. talking about today? Because I still just dear fans, uh, I have no idea what we're talking about today. <laughs> yes, this is what we're talking about because Frank, you said you would be there by my side through my stream, oh. and you were not there. Oh well, you didn't really tell me. You didn't give me any notice, sir. Uh, in, okay, so in yeah. our in our okay okay in our <laughs> conversation I can, that I had, I know I'm gonna I'm lose this argument. <laughs> I'm a stream at two, but open to pod after that, like literally. And then last week I said say, during my stream. OK, I didn't say I was going to. I, I just yes, assume I was, you have like 20 streams a week and I wasn't sure which one it was. <laughs> for anyone interested, I have one stream a week. Fridays, 2 p.m. Pacific. I stream code twitch.tv slash James Montemagno. Now, here's what happened, Frank. Building up to 20. I sorry what's that what's that you're building up to 20 streams a week okay tell me tell me what yes. happened i because i totally missed out i'm really i actually am sad that i missed out here so tell me what happened so i decided to take a smaller library mvvm helpers and integrate null reference types Perfect. Nullable reference types. Should right? be easy for this one, but as a heads up, you have a collection class in there, and collection classes can be a little bit funky. So while it's a small library, you are doing something that I don't think a lot of people implement their own collections. I hope you don't. <laughs> like, it's just not healthy for us to be doing. But uh, you have one in there, so I'm curious uh, if that's going to be the hard part in all this. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep going, James. Yeah, so you know, I flipped the bits. So I went into my CS proj, I flipped the bits to C sharp eight, and I flipped the bits over to nullable enable, right? Just enable it. Yeah. Uh, the whole so, thing. So you did all files. Uh, you know, I, I keep talking on this podcast how I prefer to just all in and do the whole library. But the truth is, for my apps, um, I've been doing it file by file. But for libraries, I agreed uh, do it all at once. But for apps, little bit by bit is helpful. That's where I was going to go with it, too. Because I, so the thing is, I, I came into the stream and I said, OK, let's just learn some nullable reference types. And honestly, I'm still kind of puzzled. Like even by the end of me integrating it into my library and into my application, I was still confused. Like, is this helping me? Is it helping people that consume it? Like, do can I remove my null checks if I say that this thing can never be null in my library <laughs> um, in general? Like that was kind of confusing to me um, inside of my app. Now, uh, the, it was pretty easy to implement because luckily my list, my observable range collection is just an observable range collection base type. So I don't have crazy null nulls inside of it. Most of the stuff that I had to do was around um, parameters that I was passing in and I would set them to null as the default. But oh, of yeah. course, when you turn this on, they're not allowed to be null. So you would say, hey, no, this could actually be null. But then I found I figured there was some of my code. I was like, well, do I actually want this to ever be null? And then I decided, no, I don't ever want this to be null. Why am I making this null? That seems silly. So I would change it to an empty string or something like that. So surprisingly, I flipping on this feature did make me change code and implementation inside of my library. Now, I don't know if it actually made me catch null argument exceptions, but hopefully it would help my consumers do it as well. But getting ahead of myself too, because 
I went in and immediately flipped on the flag and then I got, you know, 40 warnings <laughs> and I just yeah. kind of went one by one. And I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. I was reading the documentation and I am so confused. I, I just, can you honestly just go through why I want to do this? Why do I, why did I do this again? And <laughs> what are the question marks? What are the exclamation points? I don't, I, I don't even know if I did it right, Frank. Like I was just getting rid of warnings. You know what I mean? And and I stopped and I thought, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Wow. Okay. There was a lot said in all that. <laughs> um, dare we start with the why part? I'm a little nervous to answer this because there's been a lot of pushback a little bit, or at least a vocal minority <laughs> pushback against like, uh, is this really helping me? Is this really finding bugs? That's usually the first question I get when I say I converted a library. They're like, well, did you find any bugs? And um, I personally have, but did you? Maybe not because your library is pretty high level and it's pretty thoroughly tested so chances are there aren't any bugs in it so <laughs> why did you do this well number one i think that we are using a statically typed language for a reason we want certain guarantees and me personally i love the concept that some things just should never be empty they should never be null I think that that is a guarantee that I want to state throughout my code. This will never be empty, This uh, or it can be empty. I think those are two different things, and I like being able to state that in the code and have the compiler yell at me when I don't do the right thing. Uh, any comment on that? I have one more for why, but any thoughts there? I like that so far. So it's, it is a contract, more, yeah. more or less, of of saying... This is when things are allowed to be null, and this is when things are not allowed to be null. Yes. Now, here's a more practical why, and this probably didn't apply to your library, but this definitely applies to apps. Anytime I get a null reference exception now, I enable null reference checking at the top of the file. That's just my way, number one, of tracking down the bug, because <laughs> if you got a null reference exception, that's a bug. <laughs> so it's just a matter of tracking it down. And you can do that using the debugger, which can be tricky with like a lot of print statements. Or guess what? Turn on this feature and start putting question marks everywhere and if checks until the code is correct and you find uh, your mistake and all that stuff. So I think that that's the more practical why. Uh, that's just the rule I'm following. Whenever I see that exception come up, I immediately turn this feature on. Got it. This this makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, the the biggest place in which I found myself questioning my API or understanding if my API was correct is I have commands. So I have like an async command, which I recently added. And there's two sort of functions that you can pass into it. So an action and a, and a function, a func, you know, into it. And the action is not allowed to be null. Because if you pass it null, then it throws an exception and says, hey, this can't be null, right? Mm -hmm. But the can execute, that's allowed to be null because I don't care, right? And, and in fact, the default is just that it's allowed to be null. And this is where I found it very helpful because in a world in which nullable reference types and non-nullable reference types don't exist, somebody could, in their code, create an async command in which they pass it null. 
And if they do that, my code is going to throw an exception. Now, I could document it and say, hey, if you pass this thing null, then this thing is going to throw an exception, right? Mm -hmm. But that also is tedious because like from a developer, I should be able to consume this library. And when I call a function, I should know if I'm allowed to pass null or not. And I think that's really that contract, that usage, and that if I was getting null, I could then turn on this feature and get a little green underscore dot, dot, dot to say, hey, you're passing this thing null. And the developer of this library said, eh, 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 you're not allowed to do that. Yep. You know, you just made me, uh, I, I, I got a little sidetracked there when you said the green dot, dot, dot. Uh, first thing I do is turn warnings on as errors. And I've gotten sloppy in my old age, James. And I, I always allow a few warnings to get into my code because I just don't feel like dealing with them. But um, turning on this null reference exception, uh, whatever, null, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, novel reference types. types. <laughs> we'll yeah. get these words down. Um, I, I need them to be errors because I need it to actually break the build, or I think I'll just start ignoring them because they can be, they can multiply. <laughs> you know, you forget one question mark somewhere and all of a sudden you have 20 errors. And it, they're very annoying for that. But at the same time, once you've gotten used to working with them, uh, I think they come pretty naturally. I, I yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I would say I agree with you 100%. In fact, for any library creator, all right, library creator, that's me, that's you, that's my MVVM helpers, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, I did that maybe, oh my goodness, uh, f six months ago. I tweeted about it. I think Microsoft Docs was like always, right? And I turned it on and I was really surprised because it's so easy to ignore warnings in your code. And there was a bunch of places where it was it was naughty, like I should not have been doing something <laughs> and just ignoring stuff. So really helping that helped me when I turned this on, because in my library, I wasn't getting 40 warnings. I was getting 40 errors. Yeah, in my good. Code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Definitely prefer it. Um, yeah. I, again, we're using a compiler for a reason. I saw, I do uh, machine learning stuff in Python, and I'm always tracking down errors that a type checker would have caught pretty much immediately. But, you know, they don't have a type checker. So I'm so grateful when I go back to C Sharp and I'm able to utilize a good language like this. But let's start with um, all those errors you got. So I think the first thing that gets flagged when you turn all this stuff on is wherever you use the literal null keyword and ULL, that's where it's going to start flagging things as you need to declare these types as nullable. And that usually ends up being parameters because that's where we all throw in some default args and things like that and variable initializers and that's why you get a lot of errors because it just shows up on all those default arg uh, parameters and on all those yeah uh, local variable initializers yep just a bunch of stuff and it's annoying because basically that's rote that's you just have to go through every one of those types and just put a question mark at the end that's a little bit of the frustrating part there yeah and that's what i did to be honest with you um every single like on change on like all the, these random funks that I have definitely, um, I had to enable that. I said, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if I'm letting it be null, then, then let's put it in there. But at the same time, it makes you think right at that point, it makes you sort of stop and say, all right, well, I was obviously just jamming this property in here. 
did I actually want it to be null? Like that's sort of the question at that point is, do you want it to be null or not? And for some parts I did and for others I didn't. So a good example of one is I have my weak event manager and you need to pass it like a handler and event name. And the default, I think I just stole this code from from Brandon. So I'm going to blame Brandon on, <laughs> on his on his code. Um, he was very excited that I name dropped him a few times. So now I'm going to be like, mm, I Ouch. don't know, man. Ouch. Right. Did it. Um, but uh, what was cool, what was was in his code is he said, well, event name, just default that to null instead of string dot empty or actually just double quote, double, double um, quotes yeah. because you can't do string dot empty in the constructor in the parameter. Um, but then I thought I said, well. I, right now at this point in time i could put a question mark on it and just make the thing go away <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. like y- 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 it's so easy to do just be like i oh, just put a question mark on and eh, whatever right but then i said yeah but how, like if you actually give it like below like below what i was doing is i was saying like if it's null or white space or something then throw an exception so i'm like well like it it's not allowed to be null mm-hmm. in general. So why would I allow it to be null? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So then I actually changed the signature of the um the 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 function, the the method itself mm-hmm. to and so it made me stop and I actually change source code because of it. Yeah. So this is where you have to make and I, I like how you said it. You're like, do I put the question mark or not? It's a real decision. If I put the question mark, the error kind of goes away. I'm allowed to put null there. The question is, the problem is, it's never just a single question mark. Once you put that question mark there and say that this field or parameter or local variable can be null, then that basically means you're going to start having to put some if statements somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere, some if statements are going to have to show up. Worst case scenario, every time you touch that variable, you're going to have to put an if statement if you don't want to get null reference exceptions. So it may seem like the best choice is to just put a question mark and just, you know, let the thing be null. But I like what you did. And you took a second look and said, well, actually, (laughs) probably should never be null. And therefore, I just have to fix the default parameter. Maybe you have to create an override for that method or something like that, just so that it never has that default value of null. Uh, It's a tricky choice. Uh, And I think that that's... You know, even when I'm not fixing bugs as in a null reference exception or something like that, I feel like this is making my code better because it's making me think about this problem logically and not just defensively. I'm not like, everything can be null. Oh my God, I need if statements everywhere. Therefore, I'm going to put them nowhere. No, now it's actually a battle that you can fight and make logical choices about. Yeah. Now, I will say that it did catch one bug in my code frank Ooh, i can't wait are you gonna tell the story yes so this one was really really tricky um so what ended up happening is i have this this command this async command and it has this cascading so it has this really crazy (laughs) let me see if i can find it in my code because it is really intriguing because it has this cascading constructor where there's four constructors and they all build on top of the base constructor. This might yeah. be pretty similar into what you've done previously is like, Hey, well, you know, this thing is going to call this thing, going to call this thing. 
And really, we're just going to do setters all the way down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And what I found, I'm going to go ahead and link you this code really quick here, is that the most complex one that took in the most arguments took in an action and it took a funk of bool. Now, remember if I said earlier, can execute, can be null. So I added a question mark on it. And previously, what this code would look like, let me go ahead and again grab this code. I need to grab all these files for you. So many code files for Frank. (laughs) So previously, what this would do is have public command action func. So that's what it did. So I'm going to kind of build this up in people's mind. Previously, it would do public command action func. And then it would call this. And the base constructor would take in an action of type object and a func of type object with a Boolean. So what you would do is you would just pass little sort of inline functions to the base constructor. Now, the problem here, Frank, is that I am saying that can execute could be null, but in the this to call the base constructor, I literally execute can execute, which means that it could possibly be null. So in this theory, I was I had to mark my function of bool nullable because it could be null, but I couldn't I couldn't pass it a function down later on. So what I ended up doing is I just in that constructor said, well, if can execute is not null, then set the base type, right? Because in this instance, I don't want to set it unless um, unless um, it's not null. So I actually had to change my code. That was one place that I actually found, I'm pretty sure, a bug in my code. Because if someone was to pass null into that, I would not be checking against null, and it would throw an exception at some point. Yep, yep. And um, that was a lot to follow. I don't know if everyone was able to keep up, but I, I can. Um, there's one lesson to be learned from this. Once you've gone through that first round of marking your types as nullable because you decide, yes, I do want to allow null here, you're going to learn that it's somewhat viral. <laughs> and I think that's what you ran into when you were doing that chained constructor. One of the constructors down the line you found out would also have to now declare that parameter to be nullable. And that's kind of where this part gets a little exhausting. So you'll get one set of errors from the compiler. I think you said something like 40. But then as you fix one of those, it's going to have a chain reaction and affect another function and another function. And I think this is where people start to get a little intimidated by it. But again, you're you're doing it the right way. You're thinking it through. You're like, yes, I do want to allow null here. Yes, therefore, I have to put these checks later in my code and change this and that. It's kind of interesting. I'm enjoying this story so far. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, let's take a quick break here, Frank, and thank our good sponsor this week, Reagan. Listen, are you getting a bunch of null reference exceptions? Probably. So what you should do is install Raygun into your applications. Because if you're struggling to replicate bugs or even performance issues, listen, you plug in Raygun into your web or mobile applications and boom, you're good to go. It's gonna help you diagnose problems in minutes rather than hours. That way, you can then go back to your boss and justify 
introducing nullable reference types into all of your applications. You can kiss goodbye having to dig through log files or getting those super frustrated user reports or read those one-star app reviews. You don't need to do that. Raygun's going to handle, get all that error, all that crash reporting, and all that performance monitoring that you need for your apps. Where do you go? Raygun.com. You can get a free trial and get started right now today by going to raygun.com. I have it in my applications. I love it. I love the update systems. I love tracking things. I love the in-depth analysis that they give me of all my web and mobile applications. Raygun.com. Check them out. And thanks to Raygun for sponsoring this week's pod. Thanks, Raygun. Oh, <sighs> you know, you know, the tricky one for me is fields. That's where I can yes. never decide whether to make them knowable because you know that's going to have a big chain reaction. Talk about if statements, you know, anytime you touch that field, you're going to have to guard it now and think it through. And so what that usually boils down for me, speaking of constructors, is constructors. Turns out a lot of times I'm sloppy and I just create these... Um, we used to have a name for these like plain plain old data, POD types, POC types, something like that, where it was a class technically, but it was all public fields <laughs> and usually uninitialized because look at me, look how lazy I am. And it was that kind of lazy code where I really felt the pain because I'd say, no, that should never be null. Therefore, it's, if it can't be null, then I better put a constructor on this thing to guarantee that it can't be null. Did you, I, I guess this library wouldn't have anything like that, but can you see where I'm coming from with that? Do you ever write that yeah. kind of lazy code? So, Frank, um, so there is a base view model that had all of that. And I did decide that everything should be nullable. You should set the title. You can do everything in a nullable. However, um, I went to go turn this on in my app into Hanselman Forms. I said, I'm going to go update this library oh, and yeah. see how this works. Test it out. Dog food this puppy. Dog food it. And this is where I found the usage a little bit tricky because if I just install, like I turned on C Sharp 8, but if I install a library that has nullable reference types enabled, even if I use it, I don't actually get the warnings or errors until I turn on nullable reference checking for the project or for the file. So you have to turn it on in both things, right? So, you, yeah. you know, it's kind of annoying, actually. I, I, did, I thought that I would just get it if I was using a library, but I can see why, mostly because people might have warnings and errors. And I did. I turned it on for everything. And yes, you are correct, Frank. I had tons of not only, I think they call them POCO. P yeah. Pogo? Plain po old po class object. I, I don't know. I used to know whatever. these words. <laughs> Somebody can write in. So I had tons of view models and tons of classes. And the view models were the worst because <laughs> I would have a default constructor, like a default, a default blank empty you know, constructor yeah. for my view model. And then I have another one that would take in like a podcast or an episode and fill in everything. And then, and then this thing is like up, 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 like there's a constructor <laughs> that's not doing anything. And you're like, ah, you know, I wish and then they you had decide. that sound effect. Okay. We got to get a recording of you saying up, 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 <laughs> up, up, up. No, Cause that naughty, is what naughty, goes naughty. through your head. Yep. Oh, bad yep. programmer. You're such a bad programmer. That's exactly how yep. it feels. Good job. Yep. So I turned it on, lit it up, and I had another 75 warnings come into Hanselman Forms <sighs> warnings this time because I didn't have errors on. But I will say I found my new favorite usage for it, and it comes to properties. It comes to properties, Frank, because 
What's behind every good public property, Frank? An uninitialized field. I know that this is one. correct. <laughs> that is correct. There is, and what, and 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 what is the default for an uninitialized field, Frank? Why that would be null, James, a null, <laughs> and therefore you are going to be putting a lot of question marks and if statements in your code, or, or you're going to have to take the deep dive and put really, really good constructors on it. Yes. Now this is where things got fun. Because I have commands everywhere in my code. And I did upgrade to C sharp and I sent you my this little diff here of my commands. And I have a private lowercase like load command. And then I create a new command. So if it's null, then I use the new coalescing thingy now that whatever it's oh, called is amazing. My lord, people, he has switched over to question mark, question mark equals. It's there, it's live. I'm not gonna call it production code yet, but getting close. It's happening. And uh, so this was fun because this is something in real life could happen all the time. You have a string or a class or a command. And what happens if you accidentally call the backing field, right? And what if that thing is null instead of you calling the public thing? So here I have a lowercase load command and an uppercase load command. And in my code, when I call the uppercase load command, it creates a new one if it's null. However, if I accidentally call the lowercase load command, I have to, it's null by default. So I have add the question mark. And then in my code, whenever I try to call load command dot with the lowercase L, it will give me the squiggly and it's like perfect. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want, right? It's like, yeah, it's working. And then like the that that was the light bulb moment moment, Frank, where I was like, yes, I get it now. Like this makes sense. That's funny. Can I completely rephrase what you just said? You are yeah. using nullability and the question mark to implement a lazy system, a lazy computation system. And it is kind of cool because that question mark, you can not interpret as nullable. You interpret as this is the lazy one. This is the backing field for the lazy. Therefore, I shouldn't touch this. I should go find the public one and be all good about it in my code. There's lots of these little tricks. And I'm, I love that you discovered this one. Um, it's in F sharp, we have the optional type, which is this is a very reflective one. And you can use it for all these little tricks like this for making just guarantees in your code that you're doing the right thing and not touching the uh, wrong uh, backing field. I was just thinking for like uh, UI views, views can go in and out of existence on iOS, mm. technically semi randomly. <laughs> and this would be a great use for that also um, if you want like. You know, in this case, I think I would actually make the um, public properties nullable just to flag the fact that these views disappear all the time. But it's nice to have that reflected in the code. And that's why I'm also turning this on in my apps. Great yeah. use. And in, and in fact, you know, there is that real world use case. I'll send you another little um, file here and I'll, I'll link to my handsome informs pull request for all this here. Um, this is I have. um my page and I want to get access to my view model. So I do that same lazy loading. However, in this case, I am basically casting the binding context or the data context of the page to the view model. Now that actually could be null. Like it's possible that binding context could be null, 
So I have to not only map the backing field, but also the public field to nullable because they could be null, which had a trickle cascade of all of these possible (laughs) null references down my code. So like, honestly, I didn't know if I was going to feel anything putting it in my app Uh, from the library. I didn't find too much. There was no issues with MVVM helpers because I write flawless code naturally. However, (laughs) by flipping on this flag, I did it on the entire project. These lazily loaded things or these lazy casts have tons of implications. What if something actually gets garbage collected? What happens if it's in and out of view? What happens if, yeah, right, that view goes in and out. There's all of these null checks that I wasn't even doing before. Like, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And, you know, if you manually test your app on every release and get 100% code coverage through your manual test, then there's no need to do this. But if you're a human and you can't do that, then (laughs) this is helping so much because it's going to catch those edge cases, those random little things. So, you know, in this case, you could say on one hand, yes, I absolutely fixed a bug because I wasn't checking for null here when it definitely can be null. On the other hand, it never manifested itself. So does the bug exist? Anyway, I should stop debating this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Did we fix bugs or not? It's just a question that plagues me. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned way, way, way back. And that was a question about whether you remove null checks in your code now. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, argument checks. So, you know, uh, if argument equals null, throw argument null exception. That one specifically. Uh, did you come to any conclusions? Do you want to hear my opinion? What What yes. have you for that? Okay, so... The the reason so I was I was in my library and and here was my rationale first as I was like, OK, well, I'm adding this feature and um, I'm now saying that this thing you can never pass me null. like I'm saying that, hey, you developer, <laughs> you can you can never pass me null. So I don't need to do null checks anymore. That was my <laughs> that was my logic in my brain. And I don't believe that's so, Frank. Yeah, this is a tricky one. So the general rule that I want to follow is all public methods, regardless of their signature, do that null check. But the fact is, in my own code, no way. Um, <laughs> the, the whole reason I love this feature is because I don't have to do that. But the fact is, if you're doing a library that other people are going to use, They may not upgrade to C-sharp 8 immediately. They may not enable this feature. Maybe they hate it. But like, uh, you still want to give them a decent error message. You know, now that I talk about this, never mind. No, (laughs) don't do any of the checks. But maybe during a small transitional period, uh, I'm keeping um, the public methods um, with those null checks in my big public libraries. But gosh, it would be nice to ditch them (laughs) at some point. Yeah. So I came to that same conclusion, which is, and the chat helped me. And I said, should I remove this? I removed them. And then they said, no, you can't remove them yet. And uh, I said, oh, why? And then they literally said that. They said, well, what if someone is using Visual Studio 2017? What if they haven't upgraded to C Sharp 8? What if they've upgraded to C Sharp 8, but haven't turned on nullable checks? And I was like, oh, crap. And they said, what if? They've upgraded, turned it on, but it's just a warning. So they ignore it. And I was like, oh, boy. Right. I was like, yeah, I guess we should should pick a date, James, right now on the record of when we're going to stop 
doing <laughs> argument in all checks for public methods. Hmm, will it be a year, two years, three years? When will it be acceptable practice? I think it's going to be a long time, if never. I mean, uh, I don't know. And here's here's the reason is it also makes a lot of sense, right? I, I mean, now I understand like talking to Mads a little bit last, like at the conference and like reading all of the controversy of this feature of why it is implemented in this way, because the repercussions of, of having it always be on are endless, right? Because now the library might not be checking against null and your code might give you errors, but you might be using like, it's this cascading trickle effect that, yeah, they couldn't turn this on by default. There's no possible way that they could turn it on by default um, without breaking everybody's code, you know, to be honest with you. Now, I think there's, there could be an easier way to flip it on maybe like a, a checkbox or a right click or I, I don't know, something. Um, it's not super visible, I would say. And that's what sort of scares me about the feature a little bit. It's not super visible and also not visible like, like why you would do this. I think that's the concern I have. You know, now that we've talked about it, um, so file new project templates don't have this feature turned on as far as I know. No. And, but I, I was thinking, even though I, I said I prefer this in the error mode where warnings are errors, I'm starting to think file new projects should have this feature turned on, but in warnings mode. So it is just that little annoyance in the background saying, hey, maybe you should put a question mark here, but only for new code bases, because it's like you said, it's a lot of work in old code bases. But I think I think it's valuable warnings, honestly. And uh, I don't know, is file new project for people new to the platform or is it for professionals? It's It's a weird, funny thing that new project template has to be. Well, I'm going to say this, Frank, right now, as we speak, I have a plugin for Xamarin template and I, James Montemagno, am going to flip on that template, right? When you create a new plugin that will automatically turn on C sharp eight, and it will also turn on nullable references because I believe in my heart that file new on every application could benefit from these warnings 100%. I agree with you Ooh, 100% for sure. He is a convert, everyone, because I think when we were recording that C-Sharp 8 episode, you were, you were nagging me a little bit about this feature. You're like, I still, don't, I still don't agree. So that's a big deal coming from you, saying that you think it's, it's that big. And you're actually going to do that, huh? Uh, what kind of attraction do you have on those plugins? templates i'm just curious so the plugin templates now i don't ship them with visual studio anymore what i do is i have them as a github template do you know about these things no tell me oh wait yes you can mark your github repo as a template and what does that change so what that changes is when instead of like cloning your library when they fork it or they, it, it, they can still fork it, right? But what they're also able to do is they can say, use template and you can use the template yourself. And what that does is it will create a copy of the repo with all the commits erased and an initial commit by you. 
neato. That should be built into Git. I should be able to say Git uh, template blah 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 instead of Git mm-hmm. clone. Yeah. So that's what it does. So now you can come into my plugin template. I literally just made this made this change, so you can go check it out yourself. <laughs> and what I do is I say, okay, use this template. Now, what I think would be cool is if I could have some variables that if you give it a name, I could swap out some files. But in this one, I just say use template, you give it your repository name, and then you would just change the names of the files manually. It's very easy to do. That's what the file new project used to do. But I do want to put this into a .NET new plugin template or whatever. I just need to figure out how to do that. And then it would pull from this repo 100%. So that'd be kind of my my idea there. But oh. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to tell everyone, um, I, I hadn't seen this before, uh, but what you've done here is you've broken out the multi-target file project system to do platform-specific uh, code for all your different features. That's because the plugins run on multiple platforms. But I was just thinking this is also a good thing to copy if you just want to do a multi-platform library that's not necessarily a plugin, you know, capital P plugin meant for different places it's just a good starting point so nice very good yeah and this one's good because it also gives you um it gives you built in now nullable checks but it also (laughs) sets you up for all of your nougat packaging and additionally sets you up for my new favorite feature of all time source link um built right into this so boom you'd be good to go handles it all for you automatically that's cool I wonder if we could do a whole episode about that, just talking about uh, how fun that is. I've been updating Fugit with that ability. But I see here, uh, just to be clear, you hard-coded the language to 8.0 because I think that's the easiest way to make sure you get all these features. So everyone, go to your project files and put Lang version 8.0. It's great. Yeah, there's like default, latest, but yeah. 8.0. So I'm confusing. just a fan of like... <laughs> I'm in control. I don't know what latest or default is because it does matter based on your project types. I'm like 8.0, it's 8.0. You can use it everywhere. And, you know, some people don't think they can use it everywhere, but if it compiles, it works. That's what I say. So use it. Yeah. And we all use CI now and it's so easy to upgrade .NET Core and Xamarin. There's no reason not to have the latest stuff. Before, when you had to get a very expensive Visual Studio, plenty of excuses (laughs) not to upgrade your stuff. But it's like, a 13 megabyte download. It's not a big deal anymore. (laughs) Super easy. All right. Anything else you want to say about nullable reference types, Frank? Oh boy. I, I, I'm just so relieved that, uh, a, you got through it. B, you did it the right way all without me. So you really don't need me. You recorded a podcast with me without me. You wrote your own code without me. Oh my Lord. I'm just not needed anymore, but thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) <laughs> whatever right now everyone loves you, you i mean you're the reason why i did it so okay, without you <laughs> none of I'll it would have been possible yeah I'll i think it. really just go give it a try like that's my new recommendation is like hey just go give this a try in your apps or if you're a library creator like i was doing it and then alan ritchie was upgrading shiny and he had 145 warnings i said just go through it it's gonna take you one day once you do it once you're good you know I think it's worth it. I think it's worth and, it just to go flip it on. And you do get faster at it. Like you learn how to use find and replace. <laughs> I got pretty fast at it, at least. Uh, you know, once we get past error number 200, you have to get fast at it. Yeah. I'm very excited to go update Monkey Cash because Monkey Cash, by the way, has a dependency on 
um, LightDB, but there's also another one for SQLite-Net. So I'm very curious if you've updated SQLite-Net yet to handle it. And then if I, it's a cascading effect, right? Because as more libraries update, it all happens. Like it all, you, like yeah. your apps get better, things get better. So that's like my encouragement, I think, is is to get people on it. So now I feel rotten because I haven't updated SQLite. Okay, I'm going to do it, James. I'm going to do it. All right. We'll see. Next episode, hold me to it. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're starting to use nullable and non-nullable reference types, let us know. I'd be super interested because I didn't even touch the question or the the exclamation point dot maybe we'll talk about that in no. a whole nother podcast no no uh, avoid exclamation we, we, uh, yeah title of this episode is avoid the exclamation point because <laughs> yeah don't no bad <laughs> don't do it bad all right all right frank well thank you for podcasting with me thanks everyone for listening thank you for being my co-host on this beautiful podcast we are a partner we're a team frank we're a team i concur All right. Thanks, James. (laughs) All right. Go get some sleep. Have a fantastical weekend. Feel better. And I will talk to you next week. And that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.